Hi, and welcome to my podcast, On the Grow. I'm Grace Lee. This is the second episode into a new series called Marathon Season Series. If you're new here, I launch my podcast episodes in different seasons that focus on a certain topic. And for this second episode into the new series, I bring on a guest who has been on the podcast before. She's one of my best friends, Tatum, and she loves running as much as I do. So today we're covering all things New York City Marathon. You excited? Yeah, let's do it. Just to give you a little context, I had people submit questions on Instagram just asking anyone who's running the New York City Marathon this year or just have any questions or interest in running it for the future. So we wanted to give you guys um, a rundown uh, based on someone who, Tatum, who's run it before. I believe you ran it in 2021. Yes. And also ran Chicago, Boston. All right, let's get into it. Let's do it. Is there a time you have to finish by? They sent out the sweep buses Mm -hmm. six and a half hours after the last wave. But that being said, they they pretty much let everyone finish. Um, Like they kind of like push people off to the sidewalk if you're taking more than six and a half hours to run it. But they really do want everyone to be able to cross the finish line. So there are people out there on the finish line cheering people on until I think like 11 p.m. midnight. It's it's really pretty amazing. But I think technically it's six and a half hours. Yeah. And the thing about New York, which is different from other marathons, is it has so many waves that start at different times. Um, I believe like the first wave also starts at nine, which is pretty late. Yeah. The first wave, I think the pros start at like nine and then the wave one is nine ten. Yeah. Which so. is pretty late. Um, some other like Chicago starts at seven thirty. Um, Boston has a later start as well. But and then the the waves get later and later as it goes on. Yeah. Let's talk about even applying for the New York City Marathon. Like, what is the lottery process like? You can either apply to the lottery, which is very difficult to get in. I don't know what the percentage is, but it's very hard to get one of those lottery spots. You can raise money for a charity. If you're living abroad, there's something called international tour operators, and you can basically pay them a good amount of money, and they get you a spot. And then there's also the nine plus one. So that's best if you live in New York City. It's basically running nine races with New York Roadrunners and then volunteering for one race. And then you'll get guaranteed entry into the next year's marathon. So if you did that this year, you ran nine races this year, volunteered for one, then you can run in 2024. And that's what we did. Got in through the nine races and then volunteering for one, which is pretty easy for someone who's a New York City resident. I read that more than 128,000 people enter the lottery and like an estimated 5% actually get in, which is very slim of a chance. Yeah. Yeah, no, I believe that. I, I don't think I know a single person who's made it in through the lottery out of all the people I know who run this race. I know one person who did. Oh, wow. And she's never entered anything. That's amazing. She should also enter the lottery for money. She's probably very lucky. (laughs) Very hard. So Tatum, what do you eat the morning of your marathon? A lot. Define a lot. Um, So for one that starts around like nine or something like this, basically you're waking up at four, between four and 5 a.m. probably. And you're going to one of the transportation options. So either a bus that's going to take you across the Verrazano Bridge to Staten Island, or you're going to go to the ferry, which is going to take you to Staten Island. The race starts in Staten Island. And so you're getting up that early. So typically, it's good to start eating pretty much when you wake up um, and eat something bigger than something with carbs, protein, fat. That's when you want to be eating your protein. 
because you have more time for it to digest and actually like help you in the race. So, I mean, for me, I like, I like something that easy that I can eat on the go. I try to get like wake up as close to as possible as when I need to leave the apartment. So I'm like not eating in the apartment. I'm eating on the go. So I like those like big protein bars, um, a banana, something like that. And then it's good to bring another snack to have later closer to when the start is. So typically I will do like a bagel with peanut butter, um, maybe even one of those little like waffle thingies. But you're just trying to eat a lot because, you know, you're going to be running for a long time. You're not going to be eating while you're running and just have to make sure you're really fueled up and, and ready to go. Yeah. And thinking about like what I eat before, I mean, it all depends also on the person. Yeah. You and have like a more sensitive stomach. Exactly. So I know you have to be a little more like careful. Very careful. And I think that's what these the long training runs come in handy because they say nothing new on race day. So if you haven't tried a bagel before, obviously don't do that. I typically eat waffles. That's I've noticed those work for me. And I'll just have honey on top. And just yeah, keep that's it. good. And simple carbs versus mm -hmm. complex because you want it to digest right. quick. Yeah. So if you're going to have something like a little more complex, eat that earlier. Mm -hmm. And then have like your simple thing closer to before. For New York, once you get to Staten Island to the Athletes Village, you're just going to be spending a lot of time outside. So it is good to bring stuff to eat there because you just have so much time. And honestly, you're just bored and cold and sometimes you're just like, well, might as well eat a bagel. They also have bagels there and coffee, Dunkin' coffee. So they do have some stuff for you there. Yeah. Well. And we'll get more into the start of the race because there's a lot that we need to unpack in Staten Island. Mm -hmm. So this question I think is more directed to you since you ran New York and this is my first, but is there anything you wish you knew before running the New York City Marathon? Um, honestly... I think there's things that maybe I would have done differently, but maybe not. I think the main thing that I'm glad that I knew, I guess, like I would not have not wanted to know this. I knew the course very well. I knew what to expect. I knew when the hills were going to be. I knew when the hard parts were going to be. And so I think I would never have wanted to go into it not knowing those things. So I guess it's more like I'm glad I knew that. I think if you don't know that, you're really going to be in for a bad race. Be prepared for like what's to come and when the hard parts are and what when to hold back and when to push and and all of that. Yeah. And not to mention like you're you say going out too hard. I mean, the first mile is the Verrazano Bridge. So you're going uphill. I mean, I think that's a, actually a great way to just like keep everyone humble in the beginning. Yeah. But the problem is you don't. Honestly, it's the steepest uphill of the whole race. I honestly don't remember feeling like I was running uphill because you're so excited. Everyone's around you. You can't see that it's not uphill because there's just people in front of you. Mm. And so I had to keep telling myself, like, hold back, hold back. And I did do a good job of that first mile, but then I got to Brooklyn and it just, like, exploded because it was so exciting. But, yeah, I mean, you really don't feel the incline. Mm -hmm. And so that can be really dangerous. So I guess keep that in mind that you're running up the steepest incline right away. Yeah. And speaking of hills, what are what's your strategy for the hills this year? <sighs> little little steps. Little steps up the hills. Little, little steps. steps are helpful. So focus on like small steps. Using your arms like just especially going up the hills, those that's like very good form to use and just don't push yourself too hard. You're gonna get slower and that's okay. Like don't look down your watch and be like, "Oh my god." My pace is slowed down. Like, I just like, no, you have a whole race in front of you, chill. And also, your watch is probably wrong when you're on a bridge. It's always going to be wrong. Yeah. So, don't look down at your watch and freak out at your pace. Just like, don't even look at it. Just run, 
try to keep the same effort and know that your pace might be slowing down, but so is everyone else's because you're going up a hill. Yeah. What I've been training, especially for New York this year, been doing a lot of like hill repeats, just like a lot of speed up the hills. Same with you is when it comes to hills, my brain, I guess, just naturally uses like the quicker like cadence anyway, because one, the quicker the cadence, the less you're using energy. So it's just preserving the energy, just going uphill so you're not burning out. Mm -hmm. So I run with Eric, my husband, all the time. And I literally will just hear him in my head because he does this every time we go up to Harlem. I'm like, little steps, Tatum, little steps, little steps. And I want to be like, but during the race, I'll think of little steps and then, you know. If you're running the New York City Marathon, I'm sure you've been hill training. So just trust the training. Yeah. Don't go out too fast. Take it easy on the hills. Yeah. Yeah. And know when you're going up a hill, you're going to go down a hill eventually. So remember that. It's not just, you know, going to be miserable forever. That is true. What comes up must come down. Yeah. So we're – a couple weeks out from the New York City Marathon, which means now we're getting into taper mode. Tapering is typically three weeks before the start of the race. Some people do it differently, but typically it's a three-week taper. And it's really just decreasing your mileage slowly up until the marathon. So that week before the taper is your peak week. So it's the most mileage out of the week. It's your longest long run. It's like you are tired from all that running. And so now it's time to taper down and go a little less hard. So your long run is getting shorter by a lot. You know, maybe your longest run was 20 miles. So maybe your long run that first week of taper is is 12 to 14. Like mm -hmm. it should, probably shouldn't be more than 14. And your runs throughout the week are, are a little shorter and maybe you aren't doing as much speed work or crazy hill work. Like you're really just trying to make your body rest and recover. And then each week as you get closer, you're tapering more. So maybe the first week is 80% of your peak mileage. The next week is maybe 60 to 70. And then the next week is maybe 20% of your peak mileage. That week right before the marathon, you were really not running much at all. And then for me too, I, I always incorporate strength training into my marathon training. So I start taking that off too, maybe like two weeks before. I just like stop. Mm -hmm. Stop all lower body strength training because you really just want your legs to be fresh for marathon day. Yeah. And in this period, I feel like it's kind of one of the hardest times for a runner, especially if you've been increasing the mileage as you go. And then all of a sudden you're bringing it down. You one, you kind of go a little crazy because you're not running as much and you're like, you know, doubting yourself. Like this is like when all the thoughts come running. Yeah. And then also you're eating more and you're hungry because your body's used to burning so much. So it's like, it is kind of a weird time, but I think it's important to remember you've trained for this. And again, I always say it, but trusting your training and just giving your body the rest it needs. Yeah. I, and I, I heard too once that your body needs like three weeks for it to register the fitness training that you put in. So this three week period is you kind of like giving your body the chance to to readjust to all the work you put in earlier. Mm -hmm. And so when you go to that marathon starting line that, you know, you're ready and your body's actually like accepted and made use of all that training that you put in. Um, if you go too hard and taper, then you're really just going to shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I think is really important to know with marathon training is knowing like the your race feeling strategy. 
And especially for New York, I guess, do you want to share like what you're doing for your fueling? For like gels and everything. Mm -hmm. So New York was my first marathon I ever ran. So when I did New York the first time, I only took two gels, um, which I would not recommend. I just didn't space them out. I didn't take them early enough. So that's what I learned. You need to take gels early and often is what they say. I think I took it at like mile eight and then 16 and then was going to take it at 21. And by then my stomach was just like, I don't want anything. And then, you know, I only ended up doing two. So now what I've done for my other marathons, which has worked well, is I take them every five miles. And that's going to be very specific off of who you like, how fast you're going, how your stomach handles things. So I don't think that five, every five miles is the golden rule. I've just found that that works for me. Mm-hmm. So I should do like 5, 10, 15, 20. So I end up taking four and then doing water and, and Gatorade on the the hydration stations as you go. I try to not drink water until as long as I can because I really don't want to have to Really? Pee. Yeah. Wow. I don't drink water until like eight nine, 10 miles, eight, nine. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like later. Okay. No, like I do, but I I wait Mm -hmm. as long as possible until I'm like, oh, I'm getting kind of thirsty. So I typically do four and Mm -hmm. I trained with doing four gels on my long runs and it's worked for me. I just recently ran a marathon. Yeah. And um, (laughs) thank you. Boston qualified. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would bring one extra, like just in case you never know. Like if you're planning to take five, bring a sixth one because you never know. Yeah. And also they do have gels on the course. I think there's a couple spots. Personally, those ones that they have, they changed theirs recently in the past couple of years. And I do not like theirs. So I will like be bringing my own and relying on my own. But if you want to, you could always grab one that's of theirs true. as well. I just think that they're gross. Sorry. No offense. But no, that's that's good to know. Like because also, again, if you have a sensitive stomach, like you don't know what it's going to do. So just be mindful that they do offer that. And also they do with when it comes to water stations, there are plenty mm-hmm. on the course. And we both have a tip, at least, you know, wh- how we go about running with drinking water. Dump out a little bit so it's not super full. And then you squeeze it so that it's like a little like – I don't, know. I don't know if they're – Do you want to visually right like – Yeah, like this, and then you, it's easier to get it into your mouth. Yeah. Pinch the sides. Pinch, that's yeah. the word, yes. Pinch the sides, and so it's like – I don't know how to describe it without visually showing yeah. it. Great no. way to drink it, mm-hmm. and you're on the go, and you're just not like splashing it. Yeah, and then you'll throw it to the side. Just like try not to throw it on anyone, but you know, you'll probably get stuff thrown on you. You probably will. It, but it's, no one really cares, you know? You're all – you're no one's looking or smelling very good. It really doesn't matter, so. yeah. Let's talk about the start of the race. We're at Athletes Village in Staten Island. It's a long wait, as you mentioned. What should we expect when we get there? Expect. So you'll get there. You'll go through security. And then I didn't check a bag. So that's – I don't have guidance on that. You'll go through security. And then basically you're going to have a long time to wait. So definitely wear warm throwaway clothes. And so when I say throwaway clothes, I just mean, you know, something that you don't mind saying goodbye to before the race, an old sweatshirt, you know, a sweatshirt of like an ex-boyfriend that you hate and want to get rid of, (laughs) like bring that, of course, sweatpants, a hat, gloves, anything that even like stop a goodwill if you don't have those things and pick something up. And then I also brought a blanket so I could wrap it around me and then also sit on it. You'll see people bring wild things like people bring I think there's you know there's requirements and stuff but people bring like blow up things to sit on and I mean people get really creative you can even just bring like a big plastic trash bag to sit on because sometimes the garage is, is a little wet or cold so definitely just 
bring warmth with you. It, you are going to be outside. You're not going to be inside. And um, there is just the ground to sit on. There's not like chairs for you. So keep that in mind. And if you have a friend, it's always great to meet up with a friend. When I ran it first, I my friend was running it. And so we met up and we spent an hour or so together just talking and like getting our talking about our nerves, but then also talking about other things. And it made the time pass and just like calmed my nerves to be with another person, you know. So if you have a friend, try to find them. Little things like that. Bring your bring your fuel to, you know, have your bagel or whatever. Uh, Duncan is there with coffee. And so have some coffee if that's your thing. But yeah, I mean, just get ready to wait and try to not be – try to enjoy it as much as possible. I mean, it's exciting. Yeah. And use the bathroom. Yes. So there's porta-potties. There's a lot of them, but there's a lot of people who want to use them. So there's long lines. You'll, you'll be okay. Like, don't freak out. I think sometimes – you see the long line. You're like, oh my god, I'm never gonna get in there. You're gonna be fine. Get in, get in line. <laughs> get in line. Get in line early. Um, even if you don't have to go to the bathroom, just get in line and then you know use the bathroom, do whatever you need to do. But just remember that too. That you know if that's something that you're gonna need to do, think about it earlier than than later. Yeah, this is crazy, but I actually end up using the bathroom at least eight to ten times before the race. I think I I hydrate way too much. It's like in my head thinking wow. I'm not hydrated. Yeah. So at least like for the most recent one in Columbus, I had to go eight times. Did you have those long of lines though? You probably but didn't. actually this was really interesting. So I got a hotel that was right 10 minute walk from the start line. So I just stayed in the hotel up until like 15 minutes before. Oh, right. That's so nice. That's was like, like a smaller marathon like that is right. so nice. But but for this one, obviously that's yeah. we don't have that. So get in those lines. Yeah, get in line. I um, maybe bring hand sanitizer and like toilet paper just in case but I like I've never had a problem but yeah. you know and you can never be too prepared yeah what about bathrooms on the course though like say you have to go on the course yeah there are bathrooms there's obviously not bathrooms on the bridges so just remember that but there's bathrooms throughout I think they're as often as like the the water stations but they're pretty often you'll be okay yeah so you'll see them I mean yeah there's signs that'll there's be like, signs yeah toilets ahead or whatever you know that kind yeah of thing. this is actually a really interesting question because I'm curious to know what your answer is, but what mile do you think, and it could be miles or like, a, you know, depending on how you view a marathon, like it could be quarters, like fourth quarter or whatever, but what mile should you start like pushing the pace? I was actually thinking about this and talking to Eric about this for this race in particular, because I think it depends because like for a Boston, it's like, oh, after Heartbreak Hill, if you're feeling good, then go. But this is different because the end does have that incline. So, I mean, I think there's a couple parts. I think maybe around mile 20, 2021. 20, and where are we in mile 2021? Um, 20, that's when you're coming, you're kind of, I think 20, I think 20 is in the Bronx at that point. Basically, like when you get past the hype of First Avenue, which is long and really exciting, once you're past that and you kind of like hook up into the Bronx and come back down and the bridge that connects Bronx back to, to Harlem and brings you back into Central Park when in that area, which I think is like 2021, I think if you're feeling good then, then pick it up a little bit, just knowing you are going into that Fifth Avenue incline. But if you're feeling good and can push on that incline, push on that incline because you're almost done. Yeah. Um, when I ran it, I was not feeling good on that incline <laughs> and I was slowing down. I was just pushing to like stay afloat, but I'm hoping at this time I'll be feeling good and can be like, oh, let's pick it up a little bit. But 
but yeah, I think that's kind of your safe zone. If you're so yeah, if you know you're you've been running a certain pace and you have it in you and you're like, yeah, I can run a little faster now. Yeah, you're fine. At, yeah. At that point. I also think because that Fifth Avenue incline, I think it's like 23, 24, right? Around there. You're going towards Engineer's Gate and you're going in and there are some declines. Like there, there you, are some declines in Central Which Park. is so helpful. So maybe like at least get to there and then you can start picking it up. That That's kind of like what I'm yeah. thinking. Yeah, that too. Yeah, like once you get past that, once you're in Central Park, that's another time. So yeah, maybe check in with yourself when you're going over the bridge, like from the Bronx, and then check in with yourself when you're getting into Central Park. Those are two times where you can pick it up. Yeah. So that, that's good to know. Now, this marathon, I think everyone's obviously aware of how many bridges there are here. Five bridges. Five bridges. You are going through all five boroughs. Would you say, is it extra challenging compared to other marathons because of the bridges? Based off of my personal opinion, New York is the hardest marathon I've run. I think it's a gazillion times harder than Boston, personally. And I think part of that is the bridges. Part of that is, you know, the other inclines. And part of it is just that even though you do get downhills in New York, you don't have as many down. Like Boston is there's so much downhill in Boston that really helps me. I feel like run fast, but New York's downhills aren't as amazing. So I think that it just like doesn't give you as much. Mm. So I do think New York is is the most challenging. It's the most challenging. Yeah. But we'll see. I mean, it was also the first one I ran. So I was very new and I didn't you know, mm-hmm. it was going to be hard no matter what. And mind you, weather also is such a huge, like such an important factor because last year it was the hottest New York City marathon we've had yet. Yeah. This year I'm I'm thinking, I think temps are going to be pretty, pretty good. I hope, actually, I hope it's perfect weather. I've been tracking it like far in advance and I'm like, it looks pretty good. The ma- the majors in the fall have been really good so far. So, I, so let's... Like Berlin was so nice. Chicago was really nice. Mm-hmm. I think New York this year is going to be a good one. We're due for a good one because it was so bad last year. Yeah. It's like every other year. (laughs) I know we talked about the bridges, but what do you think is like the hardest part of the course? Um, I would say probably the Queensboro Bridge is a place where people would say is is the hardest. It's right in the middle. It's mile 15, 16. It's a steep up incline. There aren't people there cheering you on. So I think that that would be one of them. I personally went in thinking it was going to be so terrible. So when I was running, I was like, oh, this isn't that bad because I thought it was going to be miserable. So that's a good strategy. Maybe think it's going to be awful and then it maybe won't be as bad as you think. (laughs) And then really, I think that Fifth Avenue incline is the other hardest part just because where it happens, you know, it's mile like 22, 23, 24. And you're so tired and it's just terrible. Yeah. But um, but you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's really not that steep of an incline if you're just running it. Like, you know, you've probably ran it. You know, I've run it just for a regular run. But, you know, I'm not 23 miles into a marathon, you know. That's true. But, so it's really – it's not that bad. But it's just where it is. In your head. It's like Chicago with like that Mount Everest. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, but this is this is so much longer. So it's yeah, that's true. Okay. It's like a okay. It's like ongoing. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty bad. But it does go past where they film um the Gossip Girl school. So that's always a fun thing to look out for. Oh, just like, yeah, you are on Fifth Avenue. Yeah. So just yeah, take it all in. I was like, Gossip Girl, give me strength. (laughs) Didn't work. 
I made it. I did it. It worked this year. It was awful. (laughs) I'm actually expecting, I think for right now in my head, just because like we are on the home course and we've trained on the course. I've been training on Pulaski and Queensboro over and over. Oddly, I look at Pulaski going up and I'm like, why does this seem a little harder to me than Queensboro? I don't know why. It's just like the way it looks and it curves mm. versus like Queensboro. It's what is that incline? It's like point. I don't know how many meters that would be, but it's really not that long. The incline on Queensboro. So it'll be over before you know it. Yeah. I mean, it's really not that bad. And then you go into First Avenue, which is so much fun. Mm-hmm. You probably will have friends and family there cheering you on. There's so many people there. And and that too, you just have to watch yourself a little bit because you're going to want to speed up there. Mm-hmm. You get so excited, but you're only a mile 16, 17. Like you got to gotta be yeah. a little careful there. Yeah. Keep it safe. Have you ever ran with a pacer before? Like you mean like a group? One with like the pace groups? The pace groups. No. But I know I've told you this from Chicago. I was going to run with one of the pace groups with Chicago and I was like, all lined up behind them, ready to go. And then gun went off. Okay, we're going. And then they just like bolted out of – and I was like, whoa, this is not uh, the pace that I'm going for here. Like it felt very, very fast. And even people around me were like, they're they're going really fast. Like what's going on? And so I was like, okay, I'm not crazy. And when I finished my, you know, first mile, I looked down. I was like, okay, I'm going at – the right pace for this pace group. They're going way, way, way too fast. They were like far, far, far ahead. And then I ended up later in the marathon passing them and finishing at a pace faster than what they were supposed to be running. So I think just one thing to keep in mind, pace groups are can be really helpful, but you have to remember that they're human. They're not, you know, machines. So, and, you know, their watches are off too and they sometimes are getting excited and, you know, they're just people. So use them if you want. I think they're a good reference point, but always trust your gut and know that they're not like, like if you're feeling this is too fast or this is too slow, it, mm-hmm. it might be. No, I like that point that you bring up because I mean, far too often you'll see like, look, they're supposed to average that pace. So maybe if there's a hill, they might slow down a little bit mm-hmm. and maybe they'll speed up like on a downhill. So like they'll find a way to average it. So it's not exactly to a T. So I like what you're saying. Like when it comes to pros and cons, look, reference, but also be mindful. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. So we both have running watches. You have mm-hmm. a Garmin. I have a Coros. Mm-hmm. Manual lapping versus automatic lapping. What are your thoughts? I'm a big proponent of manual. What are you? What do you do? I actually do automatic and I, I look more at time and mind the mile markers versus it's just too much for me to just like, cause I'm focusing on other things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a preference. Like if you don't want to be, so when we say manual versus auto, we're saying like whether you're letting it lap on itself. Like it's registering one mile. Okay. Lap. Or if you're clicking yourself one mile when you see the one mile marker. Mm -hmm. So I like to do that because GPSs are typically off for, especially for New York because of all the bridges are going to be off when, you know, different places in New York, it's just off all the people. It's going to be really off. So if you are very particularly watching every one of your splits, your mile splits, and you want to know them more specifically, I would manually do it just so you really know. But then you do have to be paying attention, which sometimes I'll be like, oh, crap, I missed mile four. Well, I'm going to have to like do 
divide my next one by two in my head. You know what I mean? Something yeah. Like that. But I like the manual because then you can really know. Yeah. And one thing that I did for Columbus that was so helpful, and I think I'm definitely doing it for New York, is having like let's just say you have a goal, like a time goal, like putting um, the numbers like either on your hand. Yeah, I saw you did Like yeah. timestamps, just like because uh, let's just say your watch is still going and obviously don't pause it if you're going to use the bathroom or whatever. Like keep the watch going because your time also doesn't stop right. <laughs> as you stop. So looking at the time, but also like noticing as I'm passing certain miles, like I was like, okay, check, like I'm done with that or like I'm on track, I'm on track. It just kind of helps guide you. Mm-hmm. So you're not like, what is my time right Mm -hmm. now? That's like a tip that has, I think, is like such a good one to do for a marathon. People always call like the last six miles from 20 to 26.2. The last 10K basically is like the the wall. Mm -hmm. Do you ever hit the wall or what are your tips on getting through the wall? I I thought that I hit the wall. I don't know if I necessarily did because I think – I don't know what if I hit it by definition, but I felt like I was more tired than I've ever been in my life. I felt like I could not take one step further. And I was like, oh, I have to take three more miles forward. So I don't know if that was a wall or whatever, but it felt like it to me. And I think that it's that's really hard. And honestly, I have it's hard to even give advice because like nothing I kept trying to use my tools to like motivate myself. Like listen to music. Like, nope, none of my music was helping me. I like turned off my music. Oh, I have friends coming up. I was like, no, I don't even want to see them because I feel like I feel terrible and I don't want them to see me like this. So it's like all of my little strategies were not working. Mm -hmm. So really the the only thing I had to do was just, you know, tell myself every second, like, just keep going, just keep going. You're going to, it's eventually going to be over. It's going to be over. Like, just keep going. And I think if you do hit that wall and are in the pain cave, as they say, just try to I guess kind of like embrace it because you can't at that point, you can't trick yourself out of the pain you're feeling. You can't distract yourself because it's so present. So it's almost like, like just embrace it. Just be like, Oh, I'm in so much pain right now. Like, let's go, you know, keep just pushing through it. Yeah. Um, obviously don't push until if you feel like you're going to pass out or something, hopefully that you can feel that difference between just crazy exhaustion and something dangerous. Mm -hmm. And I think, to avoid that, definitely just make sure you're fueling. I think that maybe if I yeah. would have taken gels earlier, then I wouldn't have it wouldn't have been so bad. Or if I didn't go out too hard in Brooklyn because it's so much fun, then maybe I wouldn't have been in so much pain at the end. So there are things you can do to try to mitigate that. But yeah, it's gonna hurt. Especially if it's I think it's if it's your first one too. I think that's why I had such trouble. And then Chicago and Boston really at the end I I felt great and um I didn't experience that. So I like your physical like take on it, you know, in terms of getting through that pain cave. I would say for mental, what helps, and I've heard other people talk about this, but dedicating a mile to each person, Mm. you know, like mile 21, dedicate to your mom, mile 22, dedicate to your like dad, like just thinking of people, you are technically just trying to distract yourself at this point, (laughs) even though it's hard. Yeah. Have done that too. And I love that. I asked like my parents, my grandparents, I was like, what's your favorite number between one and 26? And I was like, it can't be one or 26 because <laughs> those are for me. And yeah, then they would tell me. And then so I had in my head and I even like took little videos. I was like, okay, pop pop, like I'm not running this mile for you. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and then I sent it to them after and they thought that was so cool to like see me running it and like hear me saying this one smiles for you. So yeah, I think that's a good trick. 
And then another thing too, to help you think of other people, I often in my playlist will either ask people to send me a song or I put a song that reminds me of them or our friendship or our relationship or whatever. And so when that comes on in the playlist, then you think of them and that really helps too. So yeah, you're, you're so right. Just like little, little mental things. You're entertaining yourself because it's so at this long. Point, yeah. Little by little, you're just, it's just time at this point. Yeah. You just need to get through. And speaking of like family, where are the best spots to spectate and cheer? If you live in Brooklyn, the section of Brooklyn, I think is a great spot because it's just like- It's on Bedford so, Ave, right? Like It's on 4th. It goes oh, up 4th. Oh, okay. That's a great spot if you live there. But I think otherwise, probably the most popular spot is 1st Ave in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. That's just a great spot. And then also 5th Ave and then going into Central Park are probably the most popular areas. Um, they're really, really crowded. So maybe- for first half, if you, you know, the higher you go, the less crowded it's going to be. So maybe go up a little bit higher to try to get a spot. But it's so fun, too. There's people playing live music on the streets. And there's, I mean, it's just, it's wild and so much fun even to be a spectator. Maybe more fun to be a spectator because well, you're not having to run them. Yeah, and, and you're casually enjoying your bagel. I always look at everyone and I'm like, I'm so jealous of you right now. <laughs> yeah. No, there's so many great places. And like Tatum said. Like there's bands, DJs, music. It's like a big, it's New York's biggest like block party basically. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's having fun. I think it's going to be a great time. And so much fun. It is so soon. It's so soon. So for those who are running, what is one advice that you would give them right now? I would say just, I would say, this is going to sound so dumb but and cliche, but just really enjoy it and be present. Be where you are. Know that you can only run the mile that you're currently running. That's what I – that's a mantra I always tell myself. Like when you start, it might be so intimidating to be like, I have to run 26 miles. Mm -hmm. That sounds awful. But if you're just running that one mile you're running, if you're, you know, you're in Brooklyn and it's the very beginning. And if you think about all the miles ahead, that's really overwhelming. But think about where you are, be where you are. Like if you look around, there's so many people that are cheering for you. You're getting to run through streets that you aren't able to run through ever before. Like if you, whether you live in New York or you're coming in, New York is an iconic city and you're running through the entire thing. So be there and enjoy that. And don't worry about the pain that's coming ahead because you can't experience that and you can't run those miles until you actually get there. And when you do, you'll get through it. So I think just really focus on the present, be where you are and, and run the mile you're running. I love that. I always say like run your race too. You're surrounded by so many people, but it's like it's you against you. It's not you against the girl next to you or the guy next to you. And, and I think that's so important because as you're running with all these people, you'll start to feel like that community aspect uh, with all these spectators, the runners. Like, I think there will be so many moments on that course where you're like, I'm literally running the New York City Marathon right now. And everyone's here like celebrating you, pushing you. And I, I've noticed like, especially with marathons or I've only ran two, but with races in general, I would say that like really rely on the crowds. Like they will deliver. If you turn to them, look at them, they will give you an uproar of cheering. And that always pushes you too. And it, you, it's a, I feel like it's a back and forth with like, you'll 
maybe slow down a little bit, but then you'll pick it back up. And it, it's kind of like where your head's at too. And I feel that's the case with me sometimes. Yeah. I don't know if you feel the same. Yeah, definitely. I love looking at the crowd. Look at people's signs. People have really funny signs. Like if you think a sign's funny, laugh at it because then the person will like smile at you. And you know, just like little kids will try to high five you. And I, lo I think that's the cutest thing ever. And so I'm always like, it makes you feel like you're uh, like NBA basketball player. You know, you're like high-fiving people. You feel like a superstar. It's very cool. So just exactly. like feel that and feel feel cool because it's cool. Yeah, you're doing it. You train for it. So best of luck to everyone running. Yes. And yeah, we'll see you out there. Yeah. Be sure to follow along and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Stay tuned and keep listening to the next episode where I cover another episode into the Marathon Season series, talking about the New York City Marathon. And as always, if you have any questions, feedback, or topic suggestions, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Thanks for tuning in.